You're listening to an Anazal Ministries podcast. If you could travel to any time in the past or future, where would you go as a youth leader, pastor, camp counselor, and overall discussion leader? That's a question that I like to use as an icebreaker from time to time. But, and yet, it's an all-time geeky sci-fi literary device to help us understand our world and ourselves deeper. Welcome to another episode of Systematic Geekology. In this episode, we have another what-if question. What if revolving around time and time travel? And uh, what if we could travel to any time in the past or future? Where would we go? I am Will Rose. I am a pastor in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, and one of the co-hosts here on this awesome community that we call Systematic Geekology. And um, I've been geeking out hard on the new trailer for Thor Love and Thunder, the MCU's cranking back up again. I feel like I am one of the only people that is absolutely not in any way, shape, or form hyped for this new uh, Thor movie. I just watching the watching the the uh, trailer, uh, not not at all exciting. And here for obviously the hot takes this episode. I am Joe. I am another one of the hosts here, broadcaster, podcaster. And uh, recently, my wife and I have been going back through uh, DC's animated catalog, um, and we've been watching through Justice League. Nice, nice. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's kind of the umbrella and the circus tent of systematic ecology is that we are all geeks underneath this circus tent, and there's a lot of diversity within there. So I couldn't be more hyped and more excited about the Thor movie. And Joe has confessed that he's not excited about this movie, but we're still under the same tent and we're brothers in Christ and we can have these discussions, which is why we do this to model for you all uh, how to have these geeky conversations and still have um, differing opinions or thoughts or hype levels. And so, yeah, we are the priest, the geeks. And what that means is just we stand at the intersection of pop culture and theology and philosophy and all those questions that uh, help us understand who we are and what we believe and what we wrestle with in the world. And so we've been having fun with the what if question. What if has been a part of the human condition as long as humans could utter words? What if? And of course, when it comes to sci-fi, when it comes to comic books, when it comes to those things we geek out on, it plays around with that question as well. And so we've had a few episodes about what if. Well, today we're going to focus in on uh, time travel. And, you know, we could spend probably a whole series on the science behind it, the uh, is it possible or not. And anyone, you know, Joe, I just um, Googled, like, what does the interwebs think the top 10 time travel movies are? And man, I know it's hard for you to believe this, but there was a lot of differing opinions on that top 10 list. <laughs> so, um, you know, we, we could go hours and hours and hours, but we're going to try to focus in on, on these things. And so, yeah, we invite you as they talked about this community that we're forming and growing and, and a part of invite you to be a part of our, our Facebook uh, group and Facebook page and go to our website and be a part of our Patreon and, and let us know your thoughts and opinions and hot takes and, and where would you fit and all these questions. A lot of good stuff out there, a lot of good content. And so we're excited that uh, you're spending a little bit of time with us listening to these episodes and engaging with us. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a really special thing when you look around and see that there are so many different varying nerds and geeks that that are out there you know time travel is one of those things i can think back as far as sci-fi elements that has always intrigued me even as a kid i've always been a bit of an existentialist in ways even as a child yeah. and something like answering the question of what if right what if you could 
go back and change different aspects of your own life? What if you could go back and, you know, relive something or something along those lines has been something that has been really intriguing to me, which just probably speaks to why I'm such a big Flash fan, because that's such a big part of his, of his story and things like that. But even to movies like Back to the Future and stuff like that, mm. where you're talking about, you know, the different ideas behind what is even possible. You know, when you start to peel back the layers of something like time travel, it's this idea of wanting to bear an impact on the things that have happened or to go forward and to see how something is going to play out. You know, I think I, I think at, at a primal level, when you start talking about things like time travel and stuff like that, you're talking at the very foundation of the control issues that us as humans wrestle mm. with on a regular basis. And so when you have something like time travel, you know, you can go the the, the viewpoint of talking about how it's the concept is introduced from a media standpoint in like these movies and TV shows and comics and different mediums that use the concept. But I think so quickly with this one in particular, shades of the individual become reflected in the way that it comes up in the, in the subtopic of time travel because it can become a very personal mm. sort of subject matter and things like that. Yeah, sure. There's a contingent of people that are just, you know, they think it's cool, but generally the, th this is one of those topics where it becomes very easy to really drive into kind of the personal motive or philosophy behind why time travel is so interesting or for some, why they just out and out think that to even think about it is a sin or some kind of, you know, abomination or something along those lines. Yeah, we'll we'll uh, we'll get a little bit of our personal choices a little bit later on to tease you a little bit later on. I'm going to ask Joe where he would go if he could go anywhere in time, and and he'll ask me the same, and we'll we'll talk about those those things. But it is you're right. It's like that thought experiment. We are finite, limited creatures who are on this kind of somewhat linear path. Uh, putting quantum physics and relativity uh, aside for the moment, in terms of we're we're limited to. Um, you know, this linear from beginning to end. And so to think about how do I value the gift of the present moment and what would I do if I could go back in time and change things? And what does, what was the future look like if I made a different choice? Those, those are all those things that swirl around this literary device of, of time travel to help us really reflect on it. Hopefully at the end, it helps us anchor us in who we are and our identity now and, and uh, what we do with the gift of time um, at the present moment. Um, so it was fun in preparation for for this uh, episode, looking back and looking at all those things that are out there. And, and, you know, I think people, human beings, philosophers, theologians have always kind of used this as a device to think about. It's in scripture as well. But I mean, in terms of like the 1800s. Um, uh, authors and poets would talk about these time slips or or reflecting on being an outside observer, looking back at the past. And then you have H.G. Wells, the time machine. You have uh, Dickens, the A Christmas Carol, um, uh, Ghost of Christmas Past, A Christmas Future, Christmas Present. Be able to look at all things, almost like a, a godlike bird's eye view on, on across time. Um, and then one of my favorite stories, if you haven't read it, I encourage you to read it, is from Ray Bradbury, uh, The Sound of Thunder. It's a short story, um, and it's what you can pull from the butterfly effect. It's the story of someone going back to prehistoric times and stepping on a butterfly and coming back to the present time, millions of years back to where he was, and all of the world has made a drastic change because he happened to step on this one butterfly, this one insect. And that little small things we think are insignificant has major ramifications for the future. And so um, from, from the 1800s uh, um, literature all the way into movie making, we, yeah, you mentioned back to the future. 
that's usually at the top 10, number one of all, all the top 10, but you have other things on there too. Like, of course, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure and you have Quantum Leap, you have Endgame, um, uh, even Groundhog Day of this kind of time slip. We had an episode on Groundhog Day about what we do for the same day over and over again. Um, Joe, what would you say is your top favorite time travel movie or story out there that um, other than the flash, cause you know, that's your, your wheelhouse there, but, but is there a movie that sticks out for you or a story? Yeah. So I think for very different reasons, my top two are the butterfly effect and back to the future for movies. Um, the butterfly I, effect, the movie that, that came out, not, not Ray Bradbury's sound of thunder, but the actual well, movie, the better. Well, that was actually what. So, in movie form, those are my top two. Right. I actually really like Ray Bradbury's work on it. I think it's a very interesting thought experiment. Um, when you, when you sit in and dissect that whole idea of, um, you know, when, it, when it, the the whole idea of the butterfly effect being when a butterfly flaps its wings and eventually you get a hurricane, right. sort of thing. And every kind of this whole idea of ripple effects as we interact with the world around us. And I think that that kind of idea in two vastly different directions is kind of what shapes what I find so appealing about this type of storytelling. And, and, I, and I look at the common thread, right, of these vastly different works you know, at the top of the list for me is the flashpoint paradox. Mm -hmm. I think the whole idea of changing something seemingly insignificant and the ripple effects that happen in time as a as a side effect is so fascinating. And to me, that is one of those works that kind of transcends its medium. As yeah. far as that, I think it's the same deal with with Back to the Future. I think, mm -hmm. yeah, everybody that played in Back to the Future, you know, Doc Brown, Michael J. Fox, everybody did a, a bang up job, wonderful. But at its fundamental level, it asks questions that us as humans enjoy asking for a variety of reasons. That when you peel back that initial layer of it's just a fun movie, to what is this movie getting at and what kind of questions is it asking? I think that's way more telling for this style of storytelling. Yeah. Yeah. And I was thinking about, you know, there's, there's my, I even asked my daughter, I was like, what's your favorite time travel movie? And she immediately went to this movie called about time. I think it's a romantic, romantic movie. I haven't seen, but it's all, it's at the top of the list too. That I'm like, man, I need to go check that one out. Um, and then of course we talked about back to the future, but then I started thinking about, you know, the, the, the comic book, world that I love so much that that Captain America is is a time traveling story. It's a guy, it's a guy who was frozen in time and brought back to the modern world. And he's like a fish out of water trying to figure out who he is in, in this modern, postmodern world. In the same way with like uh, X-Men Days of Future Past, uh, a classic X-Men um, story of going to the future and seeing, wow, what is this like? And then coming back to your present form uh, in in history or in time and warning your fellow people, if we don't do this, then this is what the future could look like if we don't make these important decisions. Um, and so there's a lot of scientists and philosophers and theologians who will point to the future and make predictions and say, here are the things we need to do now to make sure we have a, a future for grandchildren, whether it's with the environment or, or our decisions we make about technology. You know, and then you have like the dystopian um, uh, uh, cautionary tales of like the Terminator. Uh oh, you know, Rome's going to take over and come back and get us because there's a leader out there who's going to rise the resistance. So it's, it's a lot of fun, fun stuff. And then it's funny this this past year, or or I guess over the last couple of years when the military started leaking this footage of like UFOs and uh, slowly rolling out there what that this is some technology or some things going out there we can't explain whether it's aliens or spaceships or something out there my wife um, turned to me and said you know what if it's us what if it's us from a different like timeline or on a quantum level coming back to look at us or maybe time travel is possible and it's just us 
coming back to either observe or change things to help things better that happened during a pandemic. Um, uh, Joe, do you think uh, time travel is actually possible? Is it something that we just dreamt up as a cautionary tale or a thought experiment? Or is this something that's really something humans could actually tap into at some point? So <clears throat> I think that's that's really, that's the other side of the coin, right? The one side of the coin is linear line time travel going back from point A to point B or going forward from point A to point B. The other side of that is multiverse theory. And that's when you get into branching timelines or you get into what it means to interact with um, a previous timeline and different things like that. And, you know, I... I'm I'm one that has to pay attention to the science of it all. There's there's the geeky part of my brain that I've been I was a teenager when I first started studying quantum theory and things like that because it's just something that's fascinating to me. And so quantum physics and exploring the parameters of what it would actually look like to implement out and out time travel and breaking the linear space-time continuum is is a fascinating thought experiment. But when I couple that with the theological part of my brain, you know, not to not to jump the shark, but <laughs> there's so much debate, right? And I think for those of you listening that are Christians, and even for those of you that aren't Christians, you guys know. There's a lot of debate that centers around Genesis. What is, you know, what is seven days? What is the, these different parameters of time that are given in these different parts of the Bible? What does the Bible mean? Does, does it mean it literal? Does it mean it figuratively? All of those kinds of things. Ultimately, we know that there is a vastly big difference between the way that God operates in the sense of time in the way that we operate in the sense of time. And so when we push, I'll say outward, from our linear path, when we push on the walls of our existence within the space-time continuum, I fundamentally believe that, by and large, we are pushing out towards God, in the, in towards this idea of there being in, an existence and time outside of what we know as existence in time. And the Bible talks about things like heaven, hell, different things like that, where, you know, a lot of times we, we, will, we will point upward, we will think upward, we will think in that sort of idea when we think about heaven. But I, it would seem like to me that the science and the proper scripture reading would point towards more of a, for it, to put it in our terms, in an in interdimensional relationship mm. towards something like heaven or something like that, rather than it being a physical location up in the sky. There's a million asterisks. There's a million different caveats <laughs> and conversations to be had yeah. as far as all of that goes. But I think to put it into a soundbite form, that would be more of the relationship as far as how those two existences kind of interplay. And so when we test those parameters, I honestly believe that it's humans engaging with a native instinct towards the divine that we have that manifests in different ways, in different forms, things like that. That's that's getting towards that more of that multiversal breaking the breaking the, the 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 paradigm of the linear path versus going from the going from one point on the linear path to the other point of the linear path because when you're in that version of it i think it very firmly sits and rests on humans desire to control the outcome of a situation be it a situation that's already happened or be it one that it has yet to happen we have this idea and this desire to be artifacts or or, or to build the architecture of our own destiny in some regards. 
And so I think that will always be an intriguing prospect because it speaks to satisfying that control issue that we all natively have as a part of the human existence. Mm. So imagine that, uh, Will and Joe jumping to the philosophical and the- theology super quick in the episode. Uh, but that's zesty, zesty stuff there. And I, th- I think you're right. Like, yeah, I think I, I've heard some folks say in kind of my work um, when, with, uh, with faith and science and the conversation between the two that, you know, I heard someone say once, they're like, yeah, it used to be kind of like at the emergence of kind of like standard model of physics. It was like, well, we can now explain things so we don't need God to fill in the gaps anymore. But as we learn more and more about physics and quantum physics, man, that's even weirder and stranger than anything that um, theology can think up of as someone perhaps rising on the third day or passing through walls or whatever that means in terms of Jesus post-resurrection, that maybe uh, it's it's not necessarily um, like this kind of like non-embodied spiritual presence, but maybe it's more interdimensional reality that's breaking through into our world. uh, And that's what God is. And so when we think about like being outside of time and space, it's not necessarily just being God separate from us, but rather God being this being that can um, pass through the interdimensional realities that, that we're a part of. And so when we start thinking about um, time travel. We're, yeah, like you said, you, that word you hone in on is control. What can we control and what can we can't? What can we not control? We think of God as being in control and outside of time and space and those kinds of things. Where we, I can't control the sun and the moon and the stars stopping from doing their rotations and and me going from, you know, a young twenty year old to like uh, close to fifty having bad knees. Like I want to stop time so that I can keep doing like I've always done as, as a human being, but yeah, it's, that's, that's super fun. And then, and then these, um, these stories and movies we create to help us, these exercises, like, like I said at the beginning, you know, I do these kind of icebreaker with youth or even my church council or um, whatever. It's like, hey, let's get to know each other a little deeper. Where would you go if you could go to anywhere in time or history? Where where would you go? And and it's fun to think about, but then you can really kind of psychoanalyze, like, what am I really wrestling with? What do I really care about? And um what what do I really want to know more about in terms of my world and understand it uh, on a deeper level? Um, so, Joe, all right, here we go. Um, if you could, what if you could go to any time in history, past or present, what would you choose? And it could be more than one answer. You don't have to like, you know, there's no wrong or right answer. This is you sharing where you would go. So, my first instinct, because of the direct influence that the people that were connected to me, the decisions that they made, would be the 60s. Okay, the 60s. Yeah, man. <laughs> There's definitely members of my family that made decisions that had generational impact, that centered around the 60s and and things like that. And I also think that from a climate standpoint, you can trace a lot of different things, both good and bad, back to the 50s and 60s. And so from a how it affects my life, how it affects present reality standpoint, there is an aspect of I would love to be able to see and experience what life was like for the person that was that was actually in it during that period of time because it's an entirely different world, right? It's an entirely different world back then than what we know today. Now, my second, the second half of my answer is going to sound like a massive cop out, but <laughs> right. You brought up this whole idea of Jesus walking through walls and coming back from the dead and all of that kind of stuff. But even before he came back from the dead, dude was like, you read the Bible and he's like, and he disappeared from the crowd and he, you know, uh, could not be seen. And just, just little sentences that were like, wait, we're not going to, 
That's all we're going to talk about. That's all. That's I just wanted a throwaway comment that he passed through the crowd uh, or not. No. Yeah. And you're like, wait a minute. I'm stuck there. What, what does that mean? Mr. Luke, what is going on? <laughs> exactly. And so there's absolutely, whether you believe I'm not, we're not here to get into the cessationist arguments and all of that kind of stuff. But I think confidently, regardless of what viewpoint of whatever fence you hold, that there was absolutely a time in the period in, in the annals of history where miraculous events happened on a more, much more frequent basis, much more regularly, much more open, all of those kinds of things. Like these, these were a part of reality in a more substantive way than what we experienced in the here and now. And so, going back to that period of time and being able to see the interaction between the natural and the supernatural quote unquote is really fascinating to me because to tie this into time travel right we build as humans we like boxes we like things to be nice and neat and uh, nice and neat and tidy and all of those kinds of things and i think we do the exact same thing when we look at something like theory and physics and science, regardless of whether or not you're, you're pro-religion, re anti-science, or pro-science, anti-religion, which, spoilers, neither of those points of view are good. Those, the, the, those worlds belong together. As much as people don't want to admit to it sometimes, those two things are, in fact, peanut butter and jelly. But all of that being said, you know, we, we, we like to put these different things in these different boxes, but we forget sometimes that Christianity is not a Western religion, natively speaking. It is, in fact, an Eastern religion. And there's a lot of supernaturalism to Christianity. To believe it at its core, you have to believe that a man died and came back from the dead and then, dis and then uh, uh, displayed and gave out, distributed, that's the word I'm looking for, his supernatural essence and spirit onto his followers. I just explained the death, burial, and resurrection in the Holy Spirit, but just for mystical terms. So to me, going back to a time where that was more of the everyday and it was less um, stonewalled by the parameters of logical thinking and all of those kinds of things is fascinating from a scientific standpoint too. Because we look at all of these different miracles, and I honestly think that there's that there's something to the idea that, okay, so if the son of the one that created all of it was walking here on earth, wouldn't it stand for reason that he would have the ability to bend the laws of nature to interact in the way that he's trying to make them interact? I'm just saying like we we sit here and think of all of these different mystic things and different things like that, but why can't it be as simple as the one who created all of it knows how to manipulate it to make the thing happen that he wants to have happen yeah and i I think there isn't a sense that again, like with um the Renaissance and modernism and postmodernism, there's a there's a loss there's a loss of of sense of magic and wonder in the world because we feel like we can explain it all. But as we get more and more deeper, and and as you said, you know, peel back the layers even deeper until on to understand the fabric of the universe on a quantum level, it, it starts to get stranger and and weirder and then we start talking about like multiverses and you're like wow wait a minute are we just kind of flipping back on itself this kind of sense of like quantum mysticism that's out there and why couldn't be if you know in terms of our understanding of christ of this person jesus uh be a part of that that does bend reality but also help uncover what the fabric of the universe looks like in terms of our interdimensional relationship with one another and the one who who is the author of it all um i find absolutely um intriguing and, and that sense of wonder still is what captivates me to continue to explore and follow this guy and and study him even 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 deeper uh, on the on those levels and when you go through and you explore the different possibilities right because uh, like you said we could sit and just camp on the topic of our 
top 10 time travel stories in <laughs> media and comics. And that could be a conversation unto itself. But if you're asking the parameters of what if this time travel thing happened? What if something was different and, and you're getting down to the brass taxes of asking that what if question, you realize the more that we can't actually explain. We look to science to be the, the catch-all that we can, with our enlightened minds, we can explain it all away and all those kinds of things. But spend five minutes talking about dark matter and exploring what that term actually means. I'm not just talking to the, to the comic book fans. I'm not just talking to all you Flash fans out there. I'm talking about actually think or actually do spend five minutes exploring what exactly dark matter is and what it could be. And you realize there are forces at play in the universe. You are a speck. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's just the reality. We can't control any of this. We can understand at some level how it operates, but that doesn't mean that we can control it. And that goes into a whole subject matter as to why I really do fundamentally believe that the further that you explore into science and bending the rules of science to explore these different sci-fi elements, these different, you know, things like time travel or AI or different things like that, that it all ultimately does point back to a creator. Yeah, there you go. And I even like, you know, the biggest comic book movie of all time, you know, Infinity War and Endgame, you know, again, it's, it's this Titan, Thanos, who collects these gems that have different realities and that he's ultimately looking for something that's going to give him control over the entire universe so that he can control it with a snap or not. And, and so it's, it's fun, it's action-based, it's, it, but to think about on a deeper level, what if, what would I do if I had the infinity gauntlet? What would I do with those gems? How would I use it? Would I use it for good? What, what I think is good. Is it something that's detrimental to, to the fabric of reality? So, um, and, and going down to the level, we basically get back and we flip back around to where like, I, God is God and, and I am not, and thank God I am not God. Um, and so there's that trust and faith that goes in that we, we place our trust and faith in, in a God that doesn't need care for and hold the universe together. So then again, here I am preaching, preaching again, but um, um, all, all fantastic stuff. I got to jump into, I got to jump in on that because I'm good for at least one, one hot take, uh, an episode. <laughs> and so I think Days of Future Past is the undisputed king of time travel comic book stories. Hmm. I that if I'm not going to argue with you there. I'm not going to argue with you there. I think if it were done well, Days of Future Past holds the, the would have held the ability to outperform Endgame and Infinity War exponentially. You know, I, I really think that that is the most intriguing storytelling to me it is so intriguing that i i'm not going to say that days of future past was a better movie than endgame but i do think story for story in yeah. the way it was implemented i think days of future past tells a more compelling story than endgame and here's the thing about that story y'all chris claremont wrote this and it's a two issue story I mean, he, he, it's not a eight issue, thick graphic novel, four hour movie in two issues after he just finished the dark Phoenix saga. And then I think it's uh, uncanny X-Men 141 and 142 or one maybe it's two or three issues that, that he does this kind of futuristic days of future past Kitty pride goes to the future and then has to come back. Um, and, and tell, but he does it in two issues and, and, and really kind of changes. I mean, Terminator is got its legs because of that comic book. You look at all, you read that story and, and think that he wrote it before the Terminator came out, before all these other time, time travel movies came out. Um, it's just so good. And then everyone had to follow, you know, this kind of like old man, Logan, old, old Hulk, old, whatever, and go back. I mean, it is, if you haven't, it's a, it's a couple issues. It's, it's pretty 
thick. It's definitely an 80s comic book, but man, to, to think what Chris Claremont and John Byrne um, uh, changed or, or what they tapped into with that story is pretty absolutely amazing. So I, I agree. Yeah, I'm, I won't say that Endgame's a... Uh, that the movie Days of Future Past is better than Endgame, but definitely the source material from Uncanny X Men um, from Chris Claremont is is definitely uh, top two or three comic book stories of all time. So, yeah, there's our answer there. <laughs> so, what about you? What if you could go back to any time? Where would you go back to? Mm, Joe, I thought you never ask. Um, let's see. Where I go, and I have different levels too, right? Like you, um, me, my, and, and this probably can psychoanalyze this for me, but my initial thing would be like, all right, I want to go back to like 80s surfing. I want to go back to surfing in the 80s or late 70s, right when the thrust, thruster fin was emerging and a small uh, performance uh, surfboard was being created. And I, if I could surf like I do now, and go back to then, man, I'd be heads and shoulders. I could be, I could hang with those pros at that time. Like I'd love to hang out in like surfers culture in the late seventies, early eighties with the wisdom and the ability I have now at that time. And that would be super fun to be a part of this. So it's kind of my fun thing. Um, And of course I would love to go back and just observe, not change or step on a butterfly or smash an insect at that time to change history, but to observe and see what um, Jesus of Nazareth really looked like and, Mm -hmm. and how he postured himself. And, and yeah, we get, I mean, there's that passage in John that talks about these stories are just written. So, you know, but there were many, many other stories that we're not even writing down yet. Uh, because these are the ones that matter. So what are those stories that that are out there that's not recorded in history of Jesus kind of hanging out with his disciples and around the campfire? And there's like there's 20 other parables he told maybe that just aren't recorded or or they're, um, you know, the, the jokes he, he and puns he had and the laughter and and the hard times he went through and was wrestling with those kinds of things. Those to see those stories that aren't recorded in Scripture would be super, super fun. Yeah. And then the other caveat is, yeah, I, I'm most likely not going to live to see like the year 2200, right? Um, so, so to go to the year 2200 and look and see how we've progressed or not, or what the humanity looks like, or what the um, Rose family tree looks like, um, uh, my ancestors and what they're doing or what they're up to, yeah, there's there's definitely a vulnerability of maybe being super disappointed of where my family tree went, but also to kind of see what where they come of and 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 where our story stands in the midst of that. I would like to see because of just of what we've kind of progressed science wise and and technology wise in the last hundred years. What's what's the next hundred look like? Um, hopefully, we learn um, from from our mistakes. But but to see that, so there's that kind of present or past and, and future that I would like to to look at and, and see. Yeah. I, I think for me, that whole idea of seeing the future is a lot less appealing than experiencing the past. You know, I think that I can point back to, you know, I would have loved to have been a kid in the eighties when star Wars was coming out before it was, when it was just star Wars, you know, that, those kinds of things experiencing landmark periods i think to me is is far more intriguing because it probably speaks to my nihilism and, and existentialism but i don't have a whole lot of faith in the direction that humanity will continue to take things so that ahead of time sure the the technology would be interesting but humanity would likely stay the same. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. And, and yeah, so, so our friends out there, um, you know, share with us what, what if you could go uh, to any time in history, past or, or future, where, where would you go? And, and then, yeah, we want to hear what's your favorite stories where I'm sure we're forgetting a story or a movie. I mean, even like Planet of the Apes, right? Like we have to have an episode on Planet of the Apes. It's, it's a time travel story. We didn't know it until the last, last scene or, or some of these others that are out there uh, that really delve into really peeling back the layers of, of what it means to be human and, and what, 
is that we truly value in, in this world. We've already gone into some of the theology of it, but um, yeah, anything else hanging out there, Joe, in terms of, yeah, thinking of, of God outside of time and space, but also um, being a part of it or partnering in solidarity with us with that. I, I think, you know, we're coming off, of course, the Christmas and now the Easter season. We're in the Easter season, post-Easter Sunday. And, and I think about, you know, when I think about God limiting God's own self in the person of Jesus and becoming incarnate, uh, becoming vulnerable and, and confined to time and space for us um, is, is, again, the mystery of the Christian faith that too often the Christian faith is seen as, of, as being like, if, if, you're, if you're good enough, one day you'll get to heaven one day. And man, that's further from what anything it says in scripture about what the Christian faith is about is really about this person who, who we claim to be the Christ, who um, uh, God incarnate limited um, becomes the, the God of time and space outside of time is, becomes limited to time and space for our sake in solidarity with humans. And so that mystery is what keeps me coming back over and over again to this story that we tell and are entangled with on, on an ongoing basis as a person of faith. Yeah, I think one of the biggest travesties, and I may have said this before, is trying to compartmentalize everything about this world. Because the further that you explore, the further you realize how little we actually know about the wide-angle view. And when you stop to consider, right? Okay, so, so for most people, most people in America have heard some version of a morality play towards salvation and things like that. And, and that's not necessarily the point here, but what that distinctly limits is introducing the concept of an all-knowing creator God that works outside of the parameters of time and space that we know, that we have established, right? And, and exploring the ramifications of that limiting that and not exploring that is a travesty to science, to exploration. You know what I mean? Because I think every single time that we go for one of these quote-unquote sci-fi sort of concepts, again, we're it's like we're in a tunnel. And we, every once in a while, realize that the ants in the tunnel are a tunnel inside of something much greater. And much larger, much more expansive. And so every once in a while, we get the bright idea to push against the walls of the tunnel and, and wonder what is on the other side of the barrier of the tunnel. And when we consider the omnipotence of God or the reality of the things that Jesus did in person or the reality of the events that were set in place that history corroborates, then we need to accept the fact that things have happened here on earth that push the boundaries of what we know to be natural science. Yeah. And, and, and that, yeah, you have more joy than me to cut you off. No, I was just saying that like these stories that we're creating, uh, whether it's for graphic novels or comics or movies and, and sci-fi, you know, I do find it uh, pretty fun that if you look deeper into scripture, that they're wrestling with the same things. Yeah, they're not telling a Star Trek uh, story or of an old uh, Spock meeting a younger Spock and 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 coaching them along, but those phrases like a thousand. Um, years is like a day to God or, or looking at the heavens and asking what are human beings that you're mindful of them, that what would I do if I had extra time in my life? Um, what would I do if I met my grandparents when they were teenagers? Those kinds of stories. What would my life be like if, if I asked these questions or made different decisions? Um, people are wrestling with that. And I, I think it'd be a helpful tool for us moving forward in our, in our world uh, to ask those what if questions. We could also get paralyzed by the what ifs um, and, and not make any decisions. But I, cause I think that, that, yeah, we have a God who's um, with us every step of the way, but, but yeah, those, the, to think deeper and to ask what if, and, and to think about 
where we've come from and where we're going is pretty important for us as as people of faith and just as general human beings. Yeah, it's it's very poetic in certain ways to look at the an episode on time travel and looking at a what if and having it almost be like a meta episode of what if. because a lot of times these what if episodes are you know what if this aspect of the story of this famous story would be slightly different and this happened instead or you know some version thereof but so much of that requires okay so what if so and so could go back or what if we could go back or you know we're, you're talking about the the fundamental building blocks of asking a question like what if when you're talking about something like time travel and so many so many times we don't even need to for so many of us look at what if this character over here did this thing that they didn't do for this we can look at what if we could go back and do this we very much put ourselves in the driver's seat of being the main character of the story centered around time travel and so an episode like this I think in order to get there, you have to allow yourself the permission to be able to ask those questions and to explore those things without fear of feeling like you're doing something weird. You know what I mean? Like that's not necessarily, you know, you can get weird about this, but just natively looking at it, I don't think inherently does that. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And and then I encourage our listeners to, to find, I mean, hopefully you're part of a good community, a safe community that can to, can play around with these questions and thoughts and ask and and not be feel like you're being looked at uh, as a weirdo or or being judged by it, but as a kind of a thought experiment to explore these things together. I think community, again, we don't do all this by ourselves. We can, we can do get wrapped up in our own head and ask those things, but doing it in community with one another is, is pretty important too, which is why we have our priest to the geeks page and, and, and community as well that we hope you'll be engaged in. All right. It's time to wrap up. Joe, what are some recommendations you have or things you've been uh, kind of leaning into uh, as of late? So the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle comic run, The Last Ronin. Man, especially if you're a fan of the 80s cartoon, definitely pick up this miniseries. It's six issues. And the last I knew, the first several were free on comicsology. And this is some of the best turtle storytelling that there's been in quite a long time. Yeah. And if we're talking about time travel, yeah, it's like kind of a futuristic story, you know, it's dark night version of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. What if they're 20, 30, 40 years older and what has happened in the past and how they've gotten to where they're going um, is a, is a pretty cool. It's, it's the dark night, uh, dark night returns of, of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, which is always fun to think about, you know, um, what the future look like and where are they going? Where have they been? Um for me, I um, this was not um, planned, but I am um, in our in our time travel episode. Uh, one of my favorite books of all time is A Wrinkle in Time uh, by Madeline LaEngle. And if you haven't read that, you might have read it in school. You might have read it uh, growing up. Uh, signed, it's, it's up there as the kind of top children's books or young adult books. Uh, but again, it's sci-fi, and and Madeline LaEngle is um, uh, confesses to you know she passed away. I think early 2000s, but but she's been on record as saying that she's a Christian. Uh, she's an Episcopalian, so faith plays a big part on her stories, uh, her sci-fi, science, quantum, physics, slash faith, uh, all comes in together. And I'm reading a book someone recommended uh, that she wrote uh, called Walking on Water, Reflections on Faith and Art. And it's a pretty good book, just talking about her hot take on creating stories and creating art and poetry and what that means to the person of faith. And she doesn't compartmentalize secular and sacred. She's like, all art is sacred. And it's how we using that gift, being a good steward of, of those things. So she 
It's a fantastic book. If you like A Wrinkle in Time, you get a picture of her personality and walking on water. I, I encourage you to do that. And then um, I'll, I'll recommend um, there's a time travel-esque sci-fi comic book out there called Paper Girls by Brian K. Vaughn and Cliff Chang. And uh, it's pretty good. It's pretty fun. And I, I would love to see it as a movie or a TV show or a cartoon at some point. You know, it is – it has um, – you know, it's probably rated R, you know, in terms of like its content. But hey, you know, if you can't handle a few cuss words here and there, don't don't read it. That's OK. Not judging. But uh, just to let you know out there, it could be other oh, viewers from Image, I believe. Uh, but yeah, Paper Girls is a fun time travel comic book that's somewhat independent apart from Marvel and DC. Cool. All right, y'all. Well, we hope you enjoyed this. And again, go back and uh, let us know what you think. And we'll do some polls and we'll do some promoting. And we'd love to hear what your favorite time travel genre or movie or story is. And then let us know what if you could travel into the time of past or future, where would you go? And what would that mean for you? Again, uh, check out our website, um, hit us up on social media and, uh, make sure you check out our Patreon page as well. We're going to do some exclusive content there and then you support the show so that we can continue to do shows like this and broaden our reach. Who knows? We might even show up at a Comic-Con one day. Who knows? We might have a systematic ecology convention all on our own somewhere in the United States or Europe or Hawaii. I don't know, but if you give enough on Patreon, we'll make it happen. We promise. You can give anywhere from $1 to a $1 million. We'll be happy uh, to put that money to good use to continue to um, expand our reach as systematic ecology. Joe, where can people find you? Uh, I am live on the air six out of the seven days a week with Buddy Walk with Jesus and Kingdom on the Road. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram, all the socials, and anywhere you can find podcasts. Yeah, and I am too. I'm on, on the social media, Facebook and Twitter and um, Instagram. And then my church, Holy Trinity Lutheran Church, has um, a website and a YouTube channel. That if you can go back and you're curious what our worship looks like and some of the other things I preach about, uh, feel free to hit us up and, and look at that as well. Again, y'all, thank you for your time, and it's so fun to hang out with you. And remember to share the faith and share the geek. This was an Anazal Ministries podcast. If you enjoyed this show and would like to learn more about our network, be sure to check out the Anazal Ministries podcast network.